0: previously on hound radio's arch campbell podcast
1: did you watch yellowstone Lou? i have not i still haven't
0: <laughs> it's my wife watched me too and i
1: will but i haven't yet now on saturday night live they said oh it's succession only outside <laughs> <laughs> the arch
0: campbell podcast featuring arch lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Jen Cheney and Cinema Lou, who are both lukewarm on Yellowstone. And uh, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up to date on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is producing and directing in the Katz podcast control room. Can you smell the suntan lotion from the 80-degree weather we're going to have today here?
0: Oh, wow. Record highs in DC area.
1: I'm going to have it all over my overcoat because I understand it's followed up with snow later. Nothing like a little uh, crazy weather. (laughs) And uh, speaking of crazy weather, (laughs) we, we are so excited to bring back two of our favorite guys. First of all, in L.A., where he reviews for Observer.com and teaches at Emerson College. Let's welcome Mr. Oliver Jones.
2: It's yeah. so great to be back, Art. It's so great to see you guys as well as I can see any
1: of you. <laughs> and in Washington, the entertainment guru for WTOP Radio, the one, the only, the great jason fraley
3: hey, and hello jason hey it's good to be back good to see everybody again
1: i've missed both of you guys we miss both of you guys who have uh you've been dealing with various things and we're just glad you're back here and have time to do uh the old podcast so here we are and let's see let's start with jason so jason uh, what are you watching these days
3: Well, I, I, like a lot of people, have been watching uh, the HBO series uh, The Last of Us. I think uh, episode seven um, comes this weekend, I believe. Um, I I admit, I I didn't think I'd be into a show based on a video game, let alone a zombie show. You know, we've seen it before with you know, the walking dead and everything, but I got to tell you, I was pleasantly surprised from the beginning and it just gets more gripping and more gripping. Like I, I can't really predict what's going to happen. Just when you think, Oh, well, of course the zombies are going to come out. Uh, they're safe. Or when you think they're safe, the zombies come. Um, but to me, the, the, the to me, it's all about like the character work. The character work in this thing is so good. Not only um Pedro Pascal and the, and the little girl, I can't, her name's escaping me. Um, But, but in episode three, they, what is it? A bottle of, episode where you know they sort of show you a whole backstory of these side characters that don't really factor into anything um but it's this romance between nick offerman and murray bartlett as bill and frank you know the survivalist and this you know this right. lover that stumbles up on his house and it it, it is, was just one of the best single episodes of tv ever like the beginning of up distilled into one episode. Um wow. episode 5 they wowed me again with Lamar Johnson as Henry and his young son played by a Bowie Maryland native, a little kid named Kevon uh, Montreal Woodard, a uh, local kid. And just those two episodes alone just show me that that this show is sort of working on a different level than than typical genre horror stuff.
1: I'm kind of with you. I've just resisted it. I just oh god, another one of these <laughs> apocalypse with zombies. But uh okay, you're selling me. I oh, so you haven't try.
3: started it yet. You haven't started yet. I have not.
1: No, no. I'm well. the last of the people watching the last of us.
3: <laughs> you truly are the last of us. Arch, you are you I am legend. Arch is legend. <laughs> Um but I, on a on a on a lighter note, um I know for a fact, Arch, you're watching Shrinking on Apple TV Plus, which yes, is that is I that love, is scratching I'm, our comedy itch. I love that show with Jason Siegel as the stressed-out therapist working for Harrison Ford. He sort of has that, Harrison Ford has that dry humor. It's good to see him in that role. Jessica Williams from The Daily Show, Krista Miller from Drew Carey show as his neighbor um I, I i'm loving it i it, it is like the that is my like lighthearted watch of of the week every week it's some of the same people
1: with uh ted lasso and it's got the style of ted lasso and it's got the music and the look and uh they really know what they're doing i just i'm such a fan of shrinking i live for what is it friday nights that it comes <laughs>
3: Oh yeah, it's on Fridays for sure. And it's just Although I resent that I can't binge it all at once. <laughs> I know. I guess we're we're all caught up now cuz they drop it in weekly installments now. But you know, we did speaking of binging, uh after my wife and I watched Shrinking, we we got all caught up and we're like, we need more Jason Segel, so we spent and, and also there was a Valentine's Day week, so we we ended up going into, back to Jason Seagulls rom coms like the five-year engagement with Emily mm. Blunt and what was it? Um forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> so we have we've done we found some other seagull in between our shrinking seagull. <laughs>
1: forgetting Sarah Marshall. I I uh,
2: I I think it's really tragic, Arch. You've gone your whole life waiting for weekly television shows and suddenly uh, uh, just can't handle like <laughs> waiting one
3: week for your Apple uh, show. Uh, What's
2: uh, happened uh, to you, Arch? Well, I, I can't so much handle much the to truth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, RJ acts like he was binging MASH in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this weekly um, stuff? This newfangled weekly stuff?
1: On my VHS. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oliver, what's going on in LA? I
2: uh, on a completely different note. Uh there's a um new uh um documentary series on Hulu called um Stolen youth uh, inside the Sarah Lawrence uh, cult, uh, which was just uh, devastatingly good journalism.
0: I
3: started to believe what he told me about me. He's been charged with starting a sex cult.
1: Claudia was an escort. In his mind, she owed him money. My
2: jaw hit the floor. She was giving him millions of dollars. I mean, I feel like so many of these stories now, Arch, are being told in the style of podcasts, which have come right. to sort of drive me crazy—the the sort of rhythm uh, and kind of teasing out of of the um, the the true crime podcast. So to have a story like this presented in a very sort of humane journalistic manner that really digs into the story of a guy, you know, of of someone's dad sleeping on the couch of the of the center room of your dorm uh, and cooking occasional steaks to being um uh basically a sex guru of a cult uh that has stolen half of your friends is mm. a devastating story and uh, and so um humane and sad uh and just very well made i really highly recommend it some wow. of these
1: things i mean you can't believe uh, because th- this is a true story yes and that's that's the thing wow how did that happen
2: yeah i mean um it's and and it's it's you know we've all been insecure college students right so so the idea right. of a, a man preying on the insecurities of of sophomores uh, at a liberal arts school is is very uh, powerful and and uh, and the 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 story is just very well told and then on a completely different note on the comedy front I'm getting caught up on um on a show from earlier this year uh called um This Fool on Hulu uh, which uh takes place in um in South Los Angeles it's the story of um two cousins one of which is uh freshly out of jail and the other one is his caseworker at a um cupcake uh like a gangsters to uh, uh becoming citizens cupcake company in South LA and my god <laughs> it is hilariously funny and such a wonderful anecdote um you know, in it's and it's portrayal of Los Angeles to what we uh, oh. typically
3: get. My cousin spent the last eight years in prison. Sorry, I'm late.
1: People love buying cupcakes from ex-gang members.
3: Boy, oh boy, these sure are some yummy cupcakes. Bitch, do you want me to relapse? Did you buy a cupcake?
2: Thank you. But if you're looking for some good uh, off-color laughs, uh, I'm look. Uh, I I suggest uh, this fool on Hulu. I, I am...
3: Oliver, I just looked it up on IMDb and laughed out loud at the the logline description. And I don't know Lou if you're going to have to bleep this, but here's the official IMDb logline: uh-huh. yeah. "A punk ass bitch with a heart of gold." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's exactly right. Yes, I'm in, and we love when that happens.
2: There's a <laughs> there's an episode in the third episode where the um the uh the the character who's come out of jail constantly is referring to um, Austin Powers and making Austin Powers jokes uh, oh. because that was his last sort of pop cultural reference oh. and, uh, <laughs> and it is just hilariously funny oh. well done.
3: That is my uh, sweets by Austin Powers and I, I uh, just uh, I don't I know it. how
2: this movie has or this TV show has has missed greater attention but it's one of the funnier shows that I've seen in some time I mean I laughed a lot and I don't oh, the- laugh much anymore.
1: So, right. This Fool on Hulu, huh? Yes, This Fool. Okay. Well, now, now I got uh, two shows I got to watch. Now, Oliver, I am jealous because I understand you uh, you attended the L.A. Uh, preview screening of Cocaine Bear, which I've been hearing <laughs> about all winter. Well, and- Arch,
2: um, I'm jealous because
1: you didn't.
2: Uh- uh, <laughs> <laughs> they the needed movie somebody, does they needed in no way live up happens. to the promise of its of its uh, cheesy name. Uh, it completely stumbles in its um, mending oh, of no. uh, in its really? blending of comedy and horror. Uh, it was I'm afraid to say. A complete misfire uh, that does not promise oh. on the, uh, does not deliver on the promise of goofy B movie
1: fun. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. A bear did cocaine. There are so many. Is this many- like snakes on a plane? Yeah, a Sharknado. Much,
2: yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much Sharknado. the same idea. And, you know, earlier this summer, I mean, if you're looking for a a creature feature, earlier this summer, a movie with Idris Elba, Roar, came out and it was a yeah. much more to my money cinematic you know goofy fun uh of of this kind of uh, um jaws on land kind of a movie um Wait, but wasn't it called beast
3: it was beast right beast oh beast, what did i yeah. say roar yes. well the oh, beast well, roars so it can yeah, it That's roar yeah
2: <laughs> i um, but- i'm roaring uh, <laughs> but uh so people does, were it- not
1: laughing it was not it could not couldn't sustain it
2: it was it it felt like a ton of bricks, uh, Arch, uh, and oh. um, and they even gave us uh, uh, t shirts and uh, and uh, cocktails beforehand. I mean, they did everything <laughs> they could to butter us up at the AMC, uh, and um and it didn't it didn't work. And it was my first time back in the theater since uh, my eye operation, so I was so excited, you know, to uh, getting back into the arena. Um, but man, was I let down. Yeah,
1: I guess we should explain to all of our fans that you had a detached retina, and you have uh, been uh, operated on for that, and you're still under care for that. And
2: yeah, I I had uh, two operations. One one attached it, and then a
1: bunch of scars pushed it off. So uh, between um, the three of us, we got four good eyes. They all (laughs) blocked, Jason. (laughs) <laughs> I'm
2: proud to say, Arch, I'm a second-generation uh, uh, one-eyed critic. Uh, my uh, my father um, also had a bad eye. And, I never uh, knew
1: uh, that about Dave. Yeah,
2: Davey Marlon-Jones also had a bad eye, and he had a trick when he was delivering uh, his reviews on um, Channel 9. He would aim his dead eye, his bad eye, straight at the camera at all times, and he would uh-huh. read his script with his other good eye. He basically looked like a Muppet who was trying to, you know, hypnotize (laughs) you. Um, It was. was I I want to
1: back up just very quickly about cocaine bear, because what got me interested is it was based on a real story in 1985. A drug runner was flying a plane over the woods in Georgia, and he had to dump all of his cocaine because something happened and a bear ate it. and that's the basis for this movie and i just love the idea of course i you know i i came back early from vacation to review snakes on a plane which was the same thing you know it just can't possibly live up to the idea
3: well so it's so it's not even like i haven't seen i was i was dying to see it um not 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 because it would be anything good or oscar nominated but just you know like a goofy fun you know Bear on Booger Sugar, but are you, are you are you so you're saying it's not even like can't be fun. Like you, you well, thought it even missed the at at mark, least, Oliver, at least Snakes on a Plane had that
2: iconic moment with Sam Jackson. Right. Mm-hmm. There's there's really yeah. nothing equivalent to this movie. But really, the the problem is, is that it's a you know, it's a horror comedy hybrid. And it really doesn't have the elements for either one to work effectively kind of one eliminates the other uh they didn't really find a way to to blend the chocolate and the peanut butter uh you know um so it just it just didn't work as a hybrid I mean that pitch that that uh, arch just gave was oh. more entertaining than the movie <laughs> oh
3: wow do you think it will do decent at the box office like in you know opening weekend before people get to have the reaction you had do you think there's, there'll be enough i'm buzz? afraid it, i'm afraid
2: this is the world that we live in that that, <laughs> that uh you know that yes it will and of course that is worth noting for some reason uh but really this is empty marketing uh and mm-hmm. um and you know moreover a movie about a cocaine you know shot up bear is or just any beast you know having no desire for anything but like you know one single thing in this case drugs you know <laughs> is, is, is a solid idea for a movie you could make a yeah, good and, movie you know in coffee. real
1: life the bear ate the cocaine and overdosed and died
3: oh. yeah yeah
1: yeah that is funny
3: at tony... least you didn't have to see cocaine bear it's it's the revenant bear meets tony montana say hello <laughs> to my little cubs i guess right. <laughs> well, I'll probably still mention- see it, but my expectations will be sufficiently lowered now, thanks so. <laughs> Al right. guess what Look I what just
1: I was ravenous to see that I just couldn't wait to see you guys will make total fun of me i I made an effort and I watched Marlowe with Liam Nesson
3: oh oh, I will not Marlo. make fun of you at all. I love that the, good what you you know
1: cause I love the you know la Noir that's me. I love that stuff and yeah. and. He's Philip Marlowe, and sure enough, uh, a, a beautiful blonde, played by Diane Kruger, walks into the office.
0: I'd like you to find
2: my lover. He disappeared without saying goodbye.
1: Did he have things to hide? Haven't we all? And he goes looking for him, and uh, one of the places he goes is uh, an exclusive club where uh, some bad things are going on, and Danny Houston is uh, running the club and and is channeling uh his father almost in Chinatown and they shot it in Spain because Spain looks like LA in nineteen thirty-nine and oh man and and it just doesn't have one spark to it. Oh it's like oh one. yeah no. yeah here comes the oh and Jessica Lang she's the mother and she's doing surreptitious <laughs> things and oh there's you know and it's oh. it's just it never goes anywhere. It never catches mm. fire. It's it's too predictable. It's too. Mm. It's like a, a fourth generation Xerox.
2: Ah. For my money, Arch uh, John Houston's Noah Cross in Chinatown mm-hmm. is the greatest bad guy in the history of movies. Yeah, um, you can't argue not, that.
3: You can't argue that. Yeah, he's he, he's I right, right up that there. Resonates
2: the most. You know. Wow. And really it, disappointing. So, I you know, they that.
1: probably made a mistake by uh, referencing that because mm-hmm. then. You're remembering better movies, and yeah. I'm thinking, "Huh, oh, it's going to be the Big Sleep, and it's going to be uh, the Maltese Falcon, and all these movies I love." And and it just it uh, Liam Neeson is is good, but he's he, he's kind of like uh, going through the paces.
3: Yeah. The well, isn't thing. isn't Danny Houston in the movie? Isn't he related Danny, to John yeah. Houston? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he's yeah, he's a yeah Danny, yeah. yeah,
1: Danny, and you know, Danny uh when he speaks it's like they they channel john he's channeling his father he, yeah. he's moving his mouth and his and his yeah. face looks like his father yeah. i and, thought it was lousy
3: ah well there's nothing worse than a, a a movie or a genre a genre that you love and then you, you you're all hyped for it and then it lets you down but i i agree with oliver i mean noah cross is one of the great villains, and and I know how many decades later, but I'm still not going to spoil the twist because it's so rotten and so awful that if you're watching it, I don't want to spoil it, but it is a tragic ending, but one of the greatest screenplays ever at how Robert Towne unravels that and um and also the name Noah Cross, right? It's like Noah, uh-huh. Noah's Art cross and it it's almost like it foreshadows the water, you know, the water yeah. that that's getting yeah. moved around to LA yeah. what, what a piece of work what a piece. Well of, of work course
2: that ending that you refer to Jason was not in the screenplay that was uh, that was Polanski adding that in his own uh, bitter as as yeah. uh, Pauline Kale calls it, uh, he ends it with a gargoyle smile. Wow. uh, Boy. That that is is the ultimate gargoyle smile, the ending of that movie.
3: And is that because Uh, of the tragedy that he had just gone through in real life? He couldn't have a happier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, damn. Well, isn't this new one? Isn't Marlowe directed by Neil Jordan? Crying Game? Yes,
1: that's right. Yes, it's Neil Jordan. And And, uh, uh, Diane Kruger drives, uh, you know, a kind of a cream colored, I think it's a Packard convertible. Uh, that almost looks like the exact same car they're in at the end of Chinatown. Yeah. So, too many references.
2: Well, it sounds <laughs> like you were uh, hoping for the big sleep, but you got less than the two Jakes.
1: <laughs> it gave <laughs> me the big sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it put me to sleep. Did either of you watch Sharper on Apple? No, but I want yeah, to. Julianne How is it, Arch? How is it? Uh, you know, it's, it's calm, man Sharper. Yeah. Sharper actually referred Remember uh, the Lady Eve and their card sharps. Yeah, yeah. You know, Sharper. The Preston is Surges like, movie? Uh, yeah. Grifter. Yeah. yeah. So, Sharper, they're con people. So, yeah. it starts out uh, with um, uh, a cute couple. They meet. It's uh, Justice Smith and Brianna Middleton. And um, they're shy and they get together and they're having an affair and they're bonding and suddenly. Her brother is in trouble, and she needs a lot of money. He says, well, I can get you a lot of money. Well, I need $350,000. Oh, that's no problem. My father is John Litgo. He's a billionaire. So he gets the 350000 and she disappears. And that's how it starts. Mm. And then the next con is the guy who taught Brianna how to con And then the next con is uh, Julianne Moore, who's conning John Lithgow, and it goes around and around and and, uh, ties itself up at the end. Detective, can we talk about this? I'm gonna pay you for your time.
0: Stop, he's not a cop. This is what my son does.
1: He plays these games. All that work for $1,000. If you're gonna steal, Steal a lot. You cause your mother anguish, and I will not have it. She wants me gone. How do you think it's this? Not well. And I cut, you know, for 90 minutes on streaming on Apple, I thought it was pretty good.
2: All right, cool. we'll have to check it out. I've been looking for Apple shows to watch because, you know, uh, Ted Lasso's coming back now, so it's Apple season. So we've, um, we have... Apple picking season. <laughs> it's Apple picking season. Uh, I, uh... I tried out the uh, Octavia Spencer show um uh that was sort of a a, a podcast uh yeah. murder podcast show and again it reminded me how much I dislike true crime murder podcasting. Uh I I, I could not connect uh, truth be told is the name of the show. I could not connect yeah. with it at all. Uh and it made me uh hungry for some lasso.
1: Man, I I so wanted we'll, to watch we'll I wanted to shrinking. watch it too. Say Are you tonight. watching Shrinking, Oliver? No, I
2: haven't. I'll, I'll have to try it. I had read some not great reviews, so you, so you're kind of changing the tide on, the, Both on that. Both of
1: us, uh, we're, yeah. we're high on Shrinking.
2: Oh, I I really and it, like
1: and it. it's Ted Lasso. I mean, it's right. Ted, it's Lasso like Oh yeah, G- it,
3: give it a shot it, and see what you see. What you think? See what you think of. All right, I'd be interested. But you've that's twice now in this show. You've mentioned um shows based on podcasts and stuff, and that that sparked something about. Uh, we went back and. Re- revisited something that came out like a year ago i think arch was more high on it than other people but arch remember that bj novak thing vengeance about the guy going oh down yeah the yeah podcast? yeah i love like, it i was pleasantly it. surprised by that i i really enjoyed it
1: i put it at, on my 10 best l- list last year oh you did oh cool yeah, Well, you know yeah i
3: I I'd heard mixed things and when I sat down and watched it, I was like, This is really, really well done. I maybe it has that whole Texas angle you like too, but I yeah, I thought I, even the know, family of prejudiced. the people, they kinda surprise you. They they don't cut they don't paint uh-huh. the family as a you know, cookie cutter just southern w- bumpkin or whatever they there you know there's some meat to them as they're sitting in the what is it the whataburger <laughs> I, yeah. I i like that show i like that movie vengeance i liked yeah. it a lot less than you guys to
2: me uh yeah. everyone talked like a bunch of texas philosophers in a manner that l train riders <laughs> in brooklyn think that people in texas uh talk
1: <laughs> you know well, you um, need to go and visit marfa texas okay all right which is which is uh like Austin on steroids. Marfa is very hip and cool, and that's the way everybody talks there, and you need to go there. I need, that's I, where need they
2: the I need Marfa, you to be my yeah. Texas guide. I need you to show uh, yeah. me the, your, your, your home
1: state. On, on our way to L.A., yeah. we we'll
2: yeah, stop absolutely. off at That'll Marfa. Be our,
3: it'll be well. our stopover. Well, Marfa, of course, is where they shot Giant, my, which is to, still yeah. my – I mean, that I think George Stevens is the one of – one of the most underrated of the great directors. He he does he's nowhere on um AFI top hundred list. He's nowhere on Sight and Sounds list when they do this stuff. Like and he was considered a great director back in the day. But man, A Place in the Sun and Giant and Shane and like he's done so much great stuff. I wanna hold him back up. So maybe we need to go back to Marfa and uh and do some, you know, stumping for old Stevens. <laughs>
1: Jason, you've you met George Stevens Junior and, and know him fairly well, right? He's yeah. here in Washington and and yeah, I interviewed him loves, in his office
3: at the Kennedy Center, yeah, where they used to have the AFI there, as you know. He
1: used to uh, – he loves to talk about working with his father on Giant when they were shooting it in uh, the early 1950s. Yes. And, uh, well, that
2: that I, movie that he made about his father, George, uh, yeah, George Stevens, A Filmmaker's, a filmmaker's journey. journey. It is a yeah. terrific film. It's, he, he, it's I'm actually really reading his biography.
3: Yeah, he just wrote a biography, too, about his mm-hmm. life, George mm-hmm. Stevens Jr. I, I'm, I was in the middle of reading it um, over the holidays. So I well, to Wasn't
1: Giant the first uh, big project he worked on with his father?
3: Uh, yes, but he tells great stories about how um he he assigned George Stevens assigned George Stevens Jr. to read the book of Shane before they made it and, and tell and come into the bedroom pacing around the bedroom explaining uh, all right dad here's and have him tell the story um oh, to wow, kind of give him practice on, on that whole concept but uh, oh, great. yeah that's neat so I love Should all we that. talk
1: about award season? Should we bring up award season? Let's do it. Why not? You take it, Jason, because (laughs) award season this year makes me sick. Well, it's just it's got sick of it.
3: It's gotten so long. I mean, the Oscars aren't till March twelfth, and thankfully that's earlier than last year's pandemic delayed season. But it's just it's gone on so long. Like it to me, it needs to be like okay, the year's over in December, and then January is the awards, and then we move on. Like we'll be three months into a new year yeah. movie, so it just doesn't make sense. But I am like a big Oscar horse phrase guy. Oliver's not, but I, I do kind of enjoy it. The but savant, um...
1: the Oscars, the Oscars. <laughs> well, we so can to ask me, you any question about Oscars in a year you can yeah
3: say, say a year right now i'll tell you the best picture boom let's do it
1: 1954.
3: 54 was on the waterfront <laughs> uh, i gotta keep i gotta keep that quick oh you didn't know that little skill there oliver oh yeah i don't no, know why. no i
2: didn't know you were oscar Rainman.
3: throw uh, another one that was 88. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and by the year by the way those are the years the movies came out none of this you know super bowl's right. in january Oscar yet but uh anyway so this year though no one was, <laughs> no one cares about that this year it's everything everywhere all at once just won at the director's oh. guild this past weekend oh, i'm eating. so
1: sick of that movie
3: i know Ar- people Arch was-
1: walk out of that and they say what the hell was I know arch arch
3: People does not it. like it. I saw it um long after I saw it like late December, oh. right before I was making my best list. And you know what? I was like, okay, you know, I I get the ambition and the, the creativity. It literally is like the most bonkers movie ever I can imagine. When they the title lives up to it, right? Is so they throwing everything uh, everywhere at, uh, at the uh, wall. But um I don't know. I kind of uh, put it at the bottom of my top ten list. I wanted to acknowledge it, but like I I was rooting for I don't know. I like I was hoping Spielberg's Fablemans might win at DGA yeah. and have a, a shot in the race here. But I think is, everything is he everywhere win is good.
1: Do... You think Spielberg I don't... will think director?
3: I don't know if he will now. Like, I think that was the one category that Fablemans might have had. But uh, DGA usually lines up with the eventual uh, Oscar director oh. winner and everything. The Daniels won for oh. the DGA for everything everywhere. So uh, the whale
1: only movie, the whale movie. I went to a screening in person and I wanted to leave 10 minutes into the movie. I wanted to leave.
2: I I just have to say sitting here listening to Arch Moan and Groan about the Oscar <laughs> movies is just hilarious. I mean this is the biggest like positive hype guy in the history of movies. Exactly. He's acting like he's you know stubbed his toe uh the entirety <laughs> of the of season <laughs> i got to remind you arch just look mm-hmm. a little bit left of center just look a little bit outside of the box the foreign films this year are very interesting and very much worth seeking out you know at the um uh opening uh in the beginning of march at the at the AFI silver is the mm-hmm. irish film the quiet girl which i just found quietly stunning and really? and, and incredibly moving um also right now there's the Belgian film that was uh nominated close about, close, uh, about yeah. childhood friendship between two uh boys and navigating that uh a film that I also yeah. found very moving. So I think we just kind of have to step away from the hype machine and see that that, that in the documentary category in the international <laughs> film category
3: there are some really Two
1: guys are talking. One of them said, Did "You like that Belgian film?" He says, "Well, close."
3: <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of international films ask. speaking of international films uh all quiet on the western front the remake just won the I top love prize that, uh, that one that. that one that one at the baft does so you know, Arch, if you're looking for maybe a more traditional, uh, you know, alternative to the bonkers, wacky, everything, everywhere, um, maybe all quiet on the Western Front. Would I mean, what do you guys think? Does, could it build momentum to win at the Oscars? I really don't know. Oh, I mean, no. Um, no, I good, I personally think well, this coming weekend we, is going to be a big uh, bell uh, bellwether. We'll be able to tell because the SAG Awards are Sunday, and I think I don't know everything, everywhere. You know, a big diverse cast, uh, Asian cast. Uh, to traditionally i feel like in the last couple of years they those do well you know at at, at the sag so i think right, that might win right. sag and michelle yo and it, they were so great so i think they might win there um but then the pga awards are also this weekend um which if the Fablemans, i mean i feel like the, that's the Fableman's last shot to get back in this thing or even i'm even hearing buzz that top gun maverick could pull it out because uh spielberg went, went up to tom cruise at an event i saw the viral clip of it and spielberg thanked tom cruise for quote saving hollywood's uh butt. Right. So, well, I don't know.
1: That is the one movie everybody remembers from last year. I don't think it was the greatest movie last year, but it's the one that uh, that had the greatest appeal.
3: Yeah. Well, so speaking anyway. of
1: great appeal, and we have we have a lot of things we have to talk about. So we have to take a break right now for Hound Radio because it's thanks to Hound Radio that we are on this podcast, so take it away, Lou Cat.
2: Well, Arch and and guys, uh, Hound Radio, of course, has a huge,
1: huge love for dogs, and I know you have a dog too, Jason, don't you? Oh, Liberty. She's the best. Put Liberty's ears to the podcast and have Liberty listen to this. Hound Radio's leash leading canine expert, Faith Lapidus, is back with another look into the wonderful world of dogs.
0: Wolves communicate by howling. establish territory and stay in touch with their pack. Dogs who descended from wolves, for the most part, do not howl to communicate, and researchers in Hungary wondered why. So they tested how purebred pets reacted to recordings of wolf howls then looked at how closely each breed was genetically related to wolves. They found that ancient breeds, like huskies and other working breeds that are more genetically similar, howl more frequently in response. They may be better able to process the information the wolves are communicating. Modern breeds, that are more likely to be kept as pets, typically reacted by barking. The researchers suggest that although most breeds can howl, pets are in a different environment than wolves and just don't need to. Still, even if there are no wolves nearby, you can hear all sorts of dogs howling in response to ambulances and police sirens. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio.
1: There's several people we need to salute and talk about quickly. And uh, after I taped the podcast uh, two weeks ago, the death of Bert Bacharach uh, became uh, known. And I am struck by the the response that has continued to uh, Bacharach and his music. Uh, what what are you guys? What are your thoughts?
3: Oh well, he he and Hal David were uh, a legendary uh, duo, and I mean some of the, mo- the most famous songs ever written. If you just look up a song, there's a good chance that you're like, oh, that apparently Bacharach wrote <laughs> uh, every song. It feels like, um, and, and for us movie movie guys i mean raindrops Mm -hmm. be falling on my head Uh, something by bj thomas from butch cassidy and the sundance kid even like the musical theme you know the bup 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 bup, bup, ba da 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 da, da. like it that brings the fun to that i guess they did arthur's theme for arthur um and you mentioned austin powers earlier uh oliver um Those movies sort of gave Bacharach a a second win. That's how my generation discovered Burt Bacharach was happening. His appearances in Austin Powers. (laughs) You know,
1: Redford and Newman really didn't want that musical segment in Butch Cassidy, and it's the one thing that everybody remembers now. It was so good. Yeah,
2: it it, uh, it's amazing that someone who made music so tied to a certain period and so tied to a certain sound can be. So universally loved and respected by by like so many different generations, I feel like there was a slight window where we made fun of Burke Bacharach tunes, but then we sort of turned around on that and uh, and kind of quickly noted not only their complexity and and their you know uh, the fact that they last forever you know uh, but also. Um, you know the depth of feeling i mean it, we, we always think of them yeah. as
3: sentimental but i think that there is more to them than that well why do birds suddenly appear every time you're niece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll never fall in love again I, or that's what friends are for i mean come on no. you know it's almost un, 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 indisputable <laughs> you know
1: okay and uh richard belzer I, I i don't know i interviewed richard belzer dozens of times and saw him at the improv Such a great actor in Homicide and later in Law and Order S.V.U. You had one hell of a run, Sergeant Munch. Did I? I don't know where it all went.
2: Homicide. I mean, S.V.U. Hold on. I'll get you a detective.
1: Jason, did you run across Belzer?
2: i never did
3: i never did but obviously i appreciate the local connections with homicide and everything yeah i always think of him as as those tv crime shows i, I you guess because of nbc synonymous. and
1: i would go over to baltimore a lot and god he was just a wild man always wore uh dark glasses and would insist that i interview him with dark glasses <laughs>
0: did, did he
2: did he roast you a lot, uh, uh, Arch? Was he?
1: Was, did oh he, yeah, yeah. Were you you know, the target of his zingers. Just, just getting ready to bite my head off. He was at the improv. He was really tall, doing stand up, and uh, right in the middle of a set, he says, "Can this ceiling be any effing lower?" <laughs> <head was> impressive. <laughs> Some reason oh. I thought that was funny. That's and how great. about Raquel Welch? Ah, uh, that was a shock. She was always going to be, ah, uh, that picture in, uh from the early '60s. Yes,
3: well, and that pi- that picture helped Andy Dufresne escape. Remember that was that poster mm-hmm. that he tunneled under.
2: It's also, you know, ah, uh, it's interesting that she passes wow. at a time when a renewed conversation about sexuality and sensuality in cinema right. came, yeah. came up, because she embodies a certain cinematic sensuality that is not you know that's not exactly pornographic it's not exactly you know it's it's sensuous uh and it's cinematic uh and uh and and i think a lot of us who love movies miss that aspect of movies where where movie sensuality had a larger feeling to it and and she just embodied that in a you know in a really, really inspiring
1: way in movies, movies. yeah and was offered millions yeah. And my
3: generation my generation ironically knows her from Seinfeld. Remember when Kramer gets to go ushered up on the Tony stage accidentally and <laughs> oh with her back. He has to fire her in the in the dressing room and she attacks yes. him.
2: <laughs> well, you're fired because you don't use jarms when you tap dance. You like a gorilla out there. I gotta go.
0: <laughs> 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 okay, we're wrapping
1: up. It's so good to have you guys back together, and I'm glad everybody is healthy and moving forward. Uh, weekend best bets. I gotta, I'm going to send everyone
2: to the Avalon this weekend to see The Black Stallion in the same theater that I saw it when it came out uh, many years ago, a film that really changed my life.
1: Okay, and I'm going with shrinking. Jason, you got the last word.
3: I will echo shrinking, but I'll also throw in The Last of Us.
1: And that's The Last of Us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Great to see you guys. Great seeing everybody. Great
0: here. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast but a pod cats.